0: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
1: Good morning, Dan, and in for Amy J. this morning, John K., John Cass of the Chicago Tribune and uh obviously uh, the california wildfires and the death and destruction they have wrought have uh, somewhat uh, muted our discussion of that uh, horrific shooting at the uh, uh, country bar in thousand oaks california uh that mass shooting combined with a change in the balance of power both at the federal level and at a lot of state levels uh, democrats uh Picking up a uh, half a dozen governorships, uh, about a half a dozen state legislative chambers, in addition to, of course, Speaker Pelosi over the top in the House. What does that mean for two way rights? Where are the Democrats going to go after spending a lot of the money that uh, Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg cobbled together for them, casting conservative Republicans, all Republicans really, as murders well at least as sympathetic to school shooters and the like i mean we saw those commercials here throughout the chicagoland area against roscombe and Holcrin, and even at the state legislative level for more on that topic we're pleased to be joined again by our friend john lott jr president of the crime prevention research center the author of a number of books including the war on guns and more guns less crime john thanks for being with us again appreciate
0: it uh, good morning. Uh, good to talk to you both.
1: So uh, the, the, to my uh, question, I opened with the uh, balance of power and what that means for uh, Second Amendment rights. Well,
0: I mean, I'm sure you're right. Uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal had a large article over the weekend about uh, different plans in the states where Democrats have taken over state legislatures or gotten governorships or obviously Congress. Uh, where they're planning some of the first bills that they're going to put out at the beginning of the year are going to be new gun control bills. I just wish they would do something that was actually relevant to the types of attacks that have, uh, you know, gotten people upset, as they should. Uh, you know, they want to go and push for universal background checks. I mean, I guess I would just ask, can you point to one mass public shooting this century that would have been stopped if those laws had been in effect and had been effective. Uh, You know, there's not one. They want to talk about banning uh, certain types of semi-automatic guns based upon how they look. You know, we've tried that. We've done that. Different states do that. There's been lots of academic research on that. You just don't see uh, a benefit from it. But, you know, on the other hand, here we have yet another mass public shooting, Uh, this last week in California, which is at yet another gun-free zone. Uh, If you're a concealed carry permit holder in uh, in California, California is one of the 11 states that ban concealed carry permit holders from carrying in places like bars, whether they drink or not. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, people... Kind of poo-poo the president's comments after the uh, after the synagogue massacre in in Pittsburgh, but you know the one again. You had another place that didn't have anybody with guns. They essentially banned any of the congregants from being able to go and have guns. They had security guards uh, at high holidays, but the rest of the year they didn't have protection there because of financial obligations. You know, the one thing that would be important in these cases is to have somebody there quickly to go and stop these attackers. And, you know, when you're talking about uh, issues like mental illness or what have you uh, that we're focused on, we have yet another attack this last week in California where the person had previously seen a mental health care professional who had decided that the person was not a danger to himself or others. Over 60% of the mass public shootings in the last 20 years, the people were actually seeing uh, mental health care professionals within at least just a few months of the attack. And, and in none of those cases was the killer identified as a danger to themselves or others. Is there something you know, wrong, it'd be, Is there something wrong with the reporting, with the approach that mental health professionals take? Well, it's just very hard to go and identify these individuals. Uh, You know, people with mental illness on average tend to be less violent than the general population. They also tend to be more likely to be victims of violent crime. And there's a whole academic literature that exists there in psychology and psychiatry about how difficult it is when you're talking about just, you know, an incredibly tiny number. So you look at... You look at uh, schizophrenia. There are about 2.5 million people that have schizophrenia in the country. Uh, you're talking about, over the last 20 years, two people, even broadly, could have been defined as having schizophrenia who engaged in these attacks. You know, you look at other types of mental illness. You're talking about really tiny percentages that are involved that do these things, and it's just so... So small, the mental health care people say that they just aren't very good at, uh, at identifying these people. They're the first ones to admit it, that they, that they have an extremely difficult job uh, and not very accurate in identifying these people.
1: What about uh, red flag laws? We've uh, had those proposed. They, they sound good. Uh, maybe, they're, uh, maybe they would be effective in certain instances, but there appear to be uh, some pitfalls, too. Uh, There was a case in Maryland last week that we discussed, where a neighbor called the police on his neighbor. They show up to serve him with a warrant to search the house, remove the guns, and he gets into an altercation with police with a gun. He now again, this individual handled it as badly as you could handle it and put the police in jeopardy. So this is not blaming the police, and maybe the neighbor was right, but. Uh, to, to call the police on this guy. But there was no criminal history that has been reported. Uh, police initiate and it winds up with this guy being killed. If the context was a little bit different uh, and perhaps the racial composition of the participants a little bit different, the story would probably get a lot of different coverage. And so the, the red flag laws where you, uh, you know, turn people into, uh, uh, you know, into uh, civilian police, as it were.
0: You already can take away uh, guns from people, Uh, but you have to go, in most states and in the past, you've had to go through a legal process where there's a hearing uh, and evidence is presented. What the red flag laws do is it makes it so you don't have to have that type of hearing, that you don't have to have mental health care experts uh, be involved in the process at all. But, you know, here's here's some of my concerns with regard to beyond kind of the due process issues. And that is, you know, if you really believe that somebody's a danger to themselves or others, you really ought to consider involuntarily committing them. Simply going and taking away their legal guns isn't a serious response. I mean, let's put it this way we ban illegal drugs. Do you believe that people can't get those if they want to get them? And the same source for illegal drugs, the drug dealers are sources for illegal guns. The drug dealers are the major source of illegal guns. And so, you know, if, if you really think that the guy is a danger, just saying we're going to take away your legal guns is no more serious than th- saying we're going to stop you from getting drugs by making them illegal. And and the thing is, also, there's so many different types of ways that people can harm others. Are you going to include taking away the driver's license from people? You know, because they could go and drive a car down the sidewalk in Chicago and kill people if they're really going to do this. Why only focus on guns here? But in a couple of times where people have tried to put amendments on these red flag laws that would go and Try to make them uh, take away other things like their driving privileges or something like that, or to go and try to set up a process for them being involuntarily committed. Uh, the proponents of these red flag laws will fight vigorously against any any of those types of things. You know, uh, you've been on this show and others in Chicago talking about this subject, but I remember years ago you were run out of town. You were in Chicago teaching at the university of chicago you run out of town by rich daly is that my take on that is that correct yeah uh, it was interesting story i was at the university of chicago law school i had a visiting position there uh my book more guns less crime came out in may 1998 and in november 1998 uh uh Mayor Daley called up uh, Hugo Sunshine who was the president of the University of Chicago at the time and went through all the wonderful things that the city wanted to do with the school and at the end of it the conversation though he said that lots continued presence at the University of Chicago was going to do quote irreparable harm between the relationship between the city and the school and uh Two days later, I get called into the dean's office. He apologizes for having to have me in there, but says that the president of the university wants me out <laughs> uh, because of the damage that my. Because I've been doing media a lot that year when my book came out. I mean, it was the University of Chicago press book of all ironies. And uh, uh, I won't go through the whole details, but basically, because they they wanted me to leave, they'd pay me for the rest of the year, but they wanted to end my uh, affiliation with the university immediately.
1: Yeah. And
0: the deal, the deal we worked out was that I'd promised not to talk to the press uh, for the remaining uh, acad- of the academic year in exchange they'd let me stay around. And, um, and so if you kind of look that year, I basically stopped doing media in November. You know, it's like cold stop. Uh, radio silent <laughs> and uh, but I kept on getting calls from the Wall Street Journal like every few weeks um, Max Boot would call me up and so finally in March I started writing some op-eds and, but I figured would they really like with two months to go uh, fire me uh, because I wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal I convinced myself but anyway I was gone I ended up going to Yale uh, law school after that but um, you know uh, anyway, I could. I, yeah, well, anyway, the, I just, it's, it's nice to know Chicago believes in freedom of speech. Hey,
1: look, it's when we finally got rotted, rid of John Lott, all our problems went away, and right. Chicago's become the safest city in the country, as everybody <laughs> knows. John, you know, I'm sorry we had to do well, it. I'm but, glad
0: I could help out. On
1: that. Yeah, yeah. He is John Lot Jr. great story about how. The Chicago Way, Chicago, the what city that see. works and all that. John Lott, Jr., president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, author of a number of books, we're uh, not afraid to say on the air, The War on Guns, More Guns, Less Crime. John, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for being there. Thanks.
1: And uh, join us on the turnkey.pro answer line. <laughs>